So today's final project is going to be on xenophobic rhetoric and its political effects on immigrants and their co-ethnics. So today we're doing a chat about something that's been super impactful in my life and shapes the way that I see the world and also my political affiliations. Um, today we're going to be talking about race and immigration. But I'd like to bring in some friends to talk about this because my experience as a daughter of Jamaican immigrants is very nuanced but does not depict the entire picture of the immigration story. So first up we have my friend and fellow UGA student, Sierra Thomas. Hello. Ta-da. Georgia, which is a very white institution. 
sometimes that feel like attacks on minority students. So what are your general thoughts on whether or not like attacks on minority communities like impact political affiliation? For example, the attacks in Atlanta um, against Asian Americans really brought the Asian American community together at UGA, but also political scientists are speculating that that's going to have an impact on the way that Asian Americans choose to vote in this country, specifically moving towards like more democratic and leftist kind of ideals. So thoughts, hot takes, agrees, don't dis disagrees um, on that note. Flip, sorry, Michael. <laughs> oh God. Um,
connection to your ethnic group in order to like kind of vote that certain way. So you are part of the Asian community, but you're also Indian. So how does that kind of like influence the way that you view your political identity and kind of like the attacks that come against the Asian community as a whole? I think it's a very multifaceted issue. Like it's complicated both from the outside, I think, for people who but also like within the whole complex of like the Asian community. Like you said, there's like the Asian community, like the API community doesn't just include East Asians, it includes like Western Asians and like people from the Middle East also. But I think sometimes there's like questions about like whether it does, even not just from the like outside of things, but also inside. Like it's like I think there's there are general stereotypes that apply to Asians in general, like the myth of the model minority and the fact that the API community doesn't experience discrimination, which is not true. But there are also different types of discrimination that are directly targeted at one ethnic group or another. So, like with the recent election, you have like comments about the China virus and like people like making fun of the like people like pulling up their eyes and stuff like that. And then with more Western Asian communities, you tend to have more comments about us being terrorists. Or and so there's definitely that delineation to some extent. But I think there's also things that tie together and so I don't know that it's necessarily based on ethnic factors but I would say more so on socioeconomic gradients honestly um I think within my own family with my own community like the differences I tend to see in how people vote have like a lot more to do with how wealthy people are um so my family that is like making six figures plus tends to vote more conservative than my family that's um more left-leaning and I think Overall, I think they'll definitely see a consolidation towards the left because if you look at the rhetoric that's been going on over the last couple of years, the majority of the rhetoric you see that's more hateful is, I think, coming from right from my own biases. Um, but I think a lot of <laughs> the rhetoric we're seeing about the China virus, um, limitations on DACA, um, the ban on Middle Eastern immigrants, all of that is coming from conservative like groups, right? So. I think there's definitely some preservation of self-interest, but there's also the impacts of like socioeconomic and other societal factors. So I agree 100. percent I'm gonna real to you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we are students at the University of Georgia, and I remember when I first came here, like coming from parents who. Literally worked to make a job because we were like that poor. Like to this university where like students drive Range Rovers. Like that was a very, I guess, like I wouldn't say alarming, but a very jarring moment for me and realizing like the true disparity between like POC and non POC in this country. Um, and especially, I guess, more the attacks on minority students here. Like I remember when I first came here, like talking to some people who were in the student government administration at the time, who that administration was like an all black administration. And just like hearing some of the stories about like students throwing like cotton on North Campus or like white students refusing to sit next to black students on buses, like things like that, I think that really radicalized me. And even though it wasn't necessarily like a physical violent like attack on my community, I think that was something that had profound impact. So what has your experience kind of like been like with coming to UGA and maybe seeing some kind of like disparity, some kind of attackers anything towards your community and then kind of how that has shaped or moved you to lean more conservative or leftist and I mean I know that we've had this conversation about like coming to UGA and literally becoming socialists. So like thoughts 
contrast to what I've seen. And that's more common has been directed, I think, at Black and Hispanic um, communities on campus. But for me, I think it was a lot of like becoming more politically aware. Um, I think when I was in high school, my parents had very much this like, you take what we say and like, that is your opinion because that is what we said and we're your parents. Right? And so like, I didn't really have other opinions like because I didn't know any better. And so I think coming here and listening to how passionate other people were and also just seeing the way that different things unfolded, I think the gubernatorial race um, was a big thing our freshman year. Um, and then on top of that, I think the election of Trump really started to play out as we were in college, right? And so a lot of those political policies and also social policies really started having impacts as I was in college um, that were more apparent. And I think, for me, I think the real push into like the political world and what really opened my eyes a little bit more was um, our freshman year when we moved in grocery center working on um, the rights of DACA students to higher education and the fact that, you know, people were paying taxes and still were not allowed to even apply to schools here was crazy to me. Um, and so I think watching that and then watching so much of the hate that came out of um, people who, to me at least, seemed to be more closely affiliated with conservative groups um, was difficult. And I think that was a lot of what, for me, kind of pushed me towards the other side. Yeah. Thoughts for you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, kind of going off of that, kind of going back to something you said earlier about a lot of like hateful rhetoric coming from the right, I think also, I like just as a journalist, big media guy, um, I think another thing that I noticed a lot, my like, own media consumption has been a lot more like fake, like what is could quite literally be deemed fake news, not the sensationalized one that we see in the media, um, but a lot of like fake news and like content that could be categorized as like libel and slander, just hateful content does tend to spew out of the right, um, and you kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but in terms of experiences at UGA, um, I would say that like, and I came, so I came into UGA and I was very passionate about um, getting to know and adapt and see, um, like explore my worldview by like getting involved with multicultural student affairs on campus, um, which was definitely out of my comfort zone, something I wasn't used to, because admittedly I did come from a predominantly white high school. Um, and this institution, as you both know, um, mirrors a lot of those predominantly white high schools that the Metro Atlanta area tends to have in certain ways. Um, but I think the biggest thing um, for me, and which I was, when I was like really starting to notice these disparities, um, I'll speak specifically to something with you, Sydney, um, because I know you know what I'm going to say. Um, when we had, so a bunch of my friends, uh, freshman year were foundation fellows. Um, I, I see I because <laughs> a bunch of my friends freshman year were foundation fellows. Um, and they're all good people. Um, this is not to like um, tear them down or anything, but the, having come from, a few of them did come from very white private schools in Atlanta that with five figure tuitions that surpassing that of here. Um, so just some very, very wealthy, like interacting with some very, very wealthy students who like didn't know their own privilege. Um, and then on the latter of that, um, while I had those friends, I think at the same time I was like forming my friendship with you and we would like go to Snelling late night and have all these conversations. 
conversations and you were like doing your work study program and you were doing research and you were working a job even and you were doing all these different things um, to like put yourself through college um, which I like I remember just thinking how much I admired that so deeply because um, I know like even I still rely on my parents support to some extent to get through college so the fact that you were able to like come in right away and like do, do that from the get go um, I think it's phenomenal but I would say that there are like and I know you like you've had to have some of these conversations where there are like some students at this campus who just don't understand um, the extent of their own privilege both in a monetary sense but also in a political sense and that they don't have to think about kind of these like bigger issues of what it means to be a student of color at UGA and going back to like me being a multicultural things I'm really thankful that it happened because it's led to some very critical conversations on my part and has allowed me to kind of empathize to the extent that I can as a white man entering these minority, predominantly minority spaces. Um, it's kind of allowed me to see, um, not necessarily be as disillusioned as some of my other like white peers in terms of understanding the plights that come with being a person of color entering a predominantly white university. Um, and I, I think it's very unfortunate in some ways that like it took people of color dying last summer and a social racial racial reckoning, if you will, for certain white peers to get like invested in these issues and like start taking like vocally public stands to support the POC communities that they like are in the same classes with, you know. And so I think that like in a way it's it's really great that these things are at the forefront of those conversations. And it's really important that people are taking the steps to like unlearn their implicit biases um, and focus on these like diversity inclusion equity initiatives. But it's also just frustrating that it should be like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Amal Arbery and a tragedy in Atlanta for students to like start really just like trying to process and really engage with what is happening in the world, you know, in terms of the plight that like their fellow POC students face, you know. So. Absolutely. Um, I briefly mentioned students who come from very wealthy families, and you talked a little bit about how you can remember growing up, like whatever her political opinion was, always what your political opinion was. Um, so we wrote this really interesting article in the class called Social Exclusion and Political Identity of Asian American Partisanship. And so it's kind of talking about a similar sentiment um, about how different attacks on certain ethnic communities kind of tend to have an impact on the political attitudes of those communities. Um, there's also a really interesting that was made in this article, and um, it says, despite the many theoretical and empirical advances made in the fields of immigrant and minority political behavior, in addition to the long-standing study of group members and partisan affiliation, there remain few studies that examine the central role of social exclusion in the formation of political identity. Further, as many scholars have noted, immigrant political identity does not neatly fit within the existing paradigms of American political behavior, such as theories that conceive of party identification as largely a product of early socialization or parental attitudes. So, parents, I think, tend to be a very interesting, I guess, indicator of political behavior, especially when your parents are immigrants. And we talk about this a lot during class. Like, if your parents come from a country where the political system is entirely different than one here in America, they just kind of leave it to you almost, like, take their political affiliation. Um, so let's talk a little bit about parents for a second, specifically about the relationship between immigration and the impact of that's had on their beliefs and how that's affected our socialization. So, do we think that their political 
and a lot of her friends do. And I think part of that is a generational thing to some extent. Um, and kind of the, and like as that like translated down, um, I think like especially my mother or daughter, um, like she when I was growing up, I remember her being more right leaning but centrist, if you will.
situation was more so shaped by the fact that my family kind of like voted the way that they did because they had to. Like my dad can't vote, like he's not a citizen. And it took him absolutely forever to even be allowed to like legally here in this country. Like there are a lot of undocumented people in my family. Have you dug into it yet? I have it, but I've been waiting to. You want some? Yeah. It's I think I haven't tasted it yet. And I think we were like half flying, trying to fly, finishing it. So it might not be good, but we can see. Awesome. I was 100% sober. I was just like on crack. On crack. <laughs> yeah, no, last time I turned sober. I was just like, okay. So, I guess to finish off this. What is that? I was going to record like, the last bit of like, that thing again, and then I will ask all the questions. Um, but yeah, I know essentially um, my spring mirror is both of y'all's just a little bit. My parents definitely encouraged me for my own political opinions, but like, again, since there are so many undocumented people in this, or in my family, and like my dad can't vote because he's not a citizen, like my mom, I think, takes upon herself to kind of vote for the entire family, to vote in the interest of all of us, and in the interest of my grandparents, and just like, yeah, no, essentially the entire family, and I feel like especially because black women's political behavior is very different from I think every other demographic in this country, they, I think, vote for the entire black community, and so that's been something that's been super interesting just to like watch um it's something that i also kind of like find myself doing just like when i vote i'm not just voting for me i'm voting for my dad too because he can't and so yeah that's been super interesting mirrors a lot of the other roles that pop up into the for sure and we were i think supposed to talk about like black women's political participation in class and just like never got to it but it's so interesting i think to see that